All right, welcome back for another episode of Boss Bible Study. Uh, it's me and your boy, Brandon. Uh, today we're gonna to be talking about becoming, and not only just becoming, we're talking about becoming fishermen, fishers of men, fishers of people. And we're gonna be talking about, we're gonna be focusing on the book of Luke today, but I definitely thought it was important to mention, Brandon, the reason why there are four gospels that talk that tell the story of Jesus Christ, um, four eyewitness accounts, and the way I've understood it is almost as um, I remember being in college and I was a I was a student athlete, you know, one of the stereotypical ones. And don't make fun of me, but your boy was in art, you know what I mean? Like one of those free elective classes, and. Um, they had us draw a live model of someone in the classroom. And me and my boy, we both drew the model, what we saw, but afterwards our portraits were different. So how I see the four different gospel accounts, why I really appreciate it too, is we have four distinct view vantage points of one story. So if you're a person if you, you might have a, a one that you prefer, the book of Matthew, the book of John, the book of Luke, the book of Mark. Um, today we're gonna be focused on the book of Luke, um, but you'll also find this story turning from a fisherman to fishers of men in all four of the gospels. So that goes into our text. We're reading from Luke chapter five, verses one through 11. And I'll just begin reading and we'll probably just pause and park and just discuss the text as I'm reading through it. So it starts out and it reads, so it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by Lake uh, Genesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we had tooled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. I'll just finish. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat, to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Mm. Amen. Amen. And before we dive into text, bro, I think it's very important to understand how we got here to this moment, how Jesus got to here and calling the first disciples. And we know that Jesus began his ministry at the age of 30. He was baptized he was acknowledged by God the Father, uh, the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tested. And then after he was tested, his ministry began and the Spirit continued to lead him. 
And as we're reading in Luke, I just found it very interesting that his first stop was the synagogues and he was preaching and ministering. But we see two different responses between the fishermen and the scribes, the people that were in the, the people that are in the synagogues. And I'm, we're not sure what the message was um, in the boats he was preaching. But when you go back to Luke uh, chapter four, verses 18, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And immediately after he preached this, they said, isn't this Jesus of Nazareth? Like, isn't this the bull next door? And he basically said, like, no prophet is welcomed in his hometown. And he talked about um, Elijah, uh, the Old Testament, and how God sent them to the Gentiles to heal, though there were sick people, sick people in Israel, but they could not receive it. And at the same time, as he was walking in the fullness of the spirit, they could still not see it. And it's just interesting that sometimes when it can, you can be a believer, but view yourselves as self-righteously, self-righteous, and think that you know it all when coming to the text. But it's those who are humble and are low enough to be able to receive, hear, and hear the word, that they're able to receive it in its full capacity and have a response as Simon, who's later called Peter, he, he witnesses this word and he see he experiences Jesus for himself. And his <laughs> what's his response, bro? He says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And I just, bro, it's fascinating because even at chapter, chapter four, verse 38, we see that Jesus was in Simon's house and he healed his mother-in-law. So he had some form of relationship with Jesus before he was, before he followed him. But you see it's after this incident occurs with the fish that he now calls Jesus Lord. He confesses that he's a sinful man. He realizes that Jesus is, he, he's different. You know, he may not know he's fully God yet right now, but he calls him Lord and he follows him. And we're talking about becoming fishers of people, becoming fishers of men. I think it's very fascinating how God can show up in our lives. And for many of us, we, we, we plan these things out, right? Like, oh, I need to achieve this first and then I'll get right with God. I need to reach this mark I set for myself, this goal, and then I'll start focusing on God. And I'm just trying to get into the life of Peter right now. And as a fisherman, you know, that, that was his livelihood. That was his business. Probably some way, shape, or form of an entrepreneur during those times. And... When Jesus tells him to 
launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch? He responds, Master, we have tooled all night and caught nothing. And I think it's important to understand that fishers at that time, they normally, if you were a skilled fisherman, you would go out at night. That's when you're going to catch fish at night. Close to shore. And here Jesus, he shows up and he tells him the exact opposite. So Peter in his right mind, he's the expert in fishing. (laughs) So it, it sounds like he's responding with a little bit of doubt, but he's still obedient. And it reminds me of Abraham when Abraham um, was called to sacrifice his son. Mm. Not even that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's 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 rewind back further than that. When God tells him the covenant that he's going to make, give him descendants as many of the stars, the covenant. Even though his wife's mm. womb is barren, it's beyond human logic sometimes how God operates. And Jesus, knowing Simon Peter so well, I have a feeling that Peter may have had this, because he knew Jesus prior to this moment, but he wasn't following Jesus yet. So I, I be, in my heart is telling me that some part of him was holding on to being a fisherman. And he was fine with that. And he had goals in mind. And Jesus shows up. And his mind is blown. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Verse six. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Hmm. Whatever goal he has set in his mind, whatever amount of his record was with catching fish, it it, it was broken. (laughs) It was breaking. And he had to signal to his friends to help him with the boat, and and the boat began to sink. And his response is is falling down to his knees and humbling himself. Like, wow. Like, he calls him Lord. He went from master to being Lord. Both of them were like a sign, a title of respect, but Lord, that's that sounds more personal. Am I right? I mean, Lord is the term of he's recognizing who Jesus is. He's coming to recognize through the work of God that's happening before his eyes, you know. And uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot here. Yeah, go ahead, bro. What are, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, let's let's. Let's start where you finished, Um, right? He says, at your word, I will. But at your word, I will. He's making excuses before this. He said, look, Jesus, we're working all night, man. We're working all night. And like Austin has been saying, Peter was an expert in his field. Um, This was his livelihood. This was his, what his function was. And so for... Jesus, who wasn't even a fisherman, he was a carpenter, for Jesus to tell him what to do and how he's going to do his thing, mm-mm, doesn't quite wow. feel right, sound right, right? And how often is God calling us, talking to us, speaking to us, telling us to do something that just does not sound right at all in our field of vision, from mm-hmm. our perspective? Now, here's where it's key to remember or to know that Faith 
is perspective. The Greek word pistis is actually um, one aspect of it, one dimension of it, if you will, is it's a perspective in life. It's a worldview. It's the way you live. That's the reality of why everyone actually has a faith. Saving faith? No, no, not everyone has saving faith. When it, if your faith is not in Christ Jesus, then you don't have saving faith. But you still have a worldview, a perspective of how reality works, the how it's supposed to work, and um, your life is predicated around that system. See, mm. this is key for you to realize, for me to realize, to know that my perspective predicates my life, how I'm living. Right. And so Peter has this bit of tension going on in which he sees his his worldview is clashing with this man who he's not quite sure who he is. He knows he's somebody. Right. Jesus had been doing some miracles and wonders right before this event. Um, and, and Peter might not have seen them necessarily, but he certainly heard of them. And so Peter's got things going. This Come on. This is right in our alley of, of us. Like we think we know things and the way things work. And we kind of know about God and we hear God's voice. And we're like, mm, I don't think so. I, that doesn't. Mm. See, and now Peter was willing to take the risk here. He said, mm-hmm. but, but we look, we got nothing at what we were doing all night, but at your word, Amen. I will. At your word, I will. And um, look, man, at, at his word, let us go. Let us go at whatever God's calling us to do. Yeah. Um, and check this out. At his word, we've got to do it again. Mm. We've got to do things again. Sometimes God says, do the exact same thing we did. I want you to do it over again. And then, Yo, I just did that. It didn't work. It didn't work. Right? How often does mm-hmm. that come in our yeah. lives? And I can't, boy, I, if I, mm, it's, 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 it's not fun if you're living in, in pride. And the reality is pride is very subtle. You don't, so often you don't know your pride because it, it, you feel like it's in so much harmony with you. Your pride is that thing when you're looking in the mirror, it says, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like saying, yeah, in every decision you make. Yeah, yeah. Check, check, check. Everything you've done. And we're not looking for God's applause, God's approval so often in our own pride. And yet, again, the point is, what is God's word saying? What is his, at his word? What is God saying today? What is God saying today to, that we ought to live into, even though it seems really foolish? Because here's the reality. Faith always looks foolish to somebody. When you're living in faith, you will be perceived as a fool in this world. That's not a uh, potential. That is a reality. That's a reality of the faith. Jesus said, realize that the world hated me. (laughs) I I came to my own people and they hated me. They killed me. Realize they're going to hate you too. If they called me the devil, right, what are they going to call my servants? This is good, bro. And um, I was just thinking, um, you know, we're talking about becoming today, but we all we know that another principle of being a boss through the study is obedience. And as we talked about, Peter's initial response was uncertainty to Jesus telling him to do opposite of 
what's known knowledge as being a fisherman. And as, as we talk about faith, we talk about obedience. I think it's important for listeners to know that there's the world's way, then there's God's way. Mm. God's commands are specific. And though Peter could have done something in spite of what Jesus said and may have got some fish, may have caught some fish that day and lived on that fish and been successful in a, in a different sense. But being obedient to the word of God led to him catching a great number of fish and his net was breaking. And I want to challenge someone today. Nevertheless, at his word, listen to his word, be obedient to his word and watch your expectations be broken. Mm. Watch your standard of what success means be broken. You know, a lot of people in my industry, um, I'm a technical recruiter as well. Um, a lot of people think it's work, 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 work in order to be successful. That's what the world tells you, right? But people don't realize when I was in a season, every day during my lunch break, going home and spending time in my prayer closet on my face, that was the most successful I was in my work. And it's spending time with the Lord, experiencing the Lord, breaking all expectations. Peter responds by falling down on his knees and humbling himself. When you truly experience God, your first response is, I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy to be in your presence. You're so pure. You are, you are God. You're holy. And you see how far we miss the mark. We truly experience how far we missed the mark our entire lives. And Peter's response is totally different than the people's response that were in the synagogues. It says that they led Jesus to a hill. They thought to kill him. Those who thought they were righteous. Peter responded by falling on his down to his knees. After obeying his word. Mm -hmm. You see, we talked about this. Abraham. He had faith. Peter had faith. Jesus had already been at his home and healed his sick mother-in-law. He had faith that he was someone special. You said he, he heard about some of the miracles that were happening. But when he added his obedience to that, he experienced God for himself. The net was breaking. I'm a sinful man, O oh Lord. Mm. I'm a sinful man. I am unworthy. He Can experienced I hit that God. Real quick? Go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. Because that's so key that... <laughs> Obedience brings recognition to the power of God. 
to the authority of God, you will never, you will never access the mm. depths of who God is without obedience. You won't, Amen. you won't. Here's the reality. You can actually get bits and pieces of the image of God, of, of, of maybe a bit of understanding here, a bit of uh, practice there, but without complete obedience, you will never be able to experience that depth of relationship. And now I don't mean complete obedience in the sense of like sinless life perfection. Only Christ did that. But what I'm saying is where in, a, in an act, in an act where you said at your word, Lord, I know that you, Lord, you, this is what you're calling me to. And this is what I'm going to do. Right. And the only, um, uh, I mean, I guess adjustment I would make there is when um, like there are times where I, I think, I think in every believer's life, right, you are, as we grow in sanctification, so maybe not in every believer's life, because some believers don't uh, remain kind of stagnant in sanctification. That's, man, uh, this is a bigger topic, but to really uh, condense it, the short end of it is some people remain as babes in Christ and not in the good way of like, I'm a child of God and like, I'm living in humility and submission. Yeah. But that aspect of Hebrews chapter five six, where he talks, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews, yeah, mm-hmm, where the writer talks about, you know, I'm I'm still feeding you guys milk, and you should be eating steak by now. I'm mm-hmm. basically saying, like, <laughs> you know, can you imagine, like, uh, let's think of it this way: imagine being with someone uh, in on a sports team, right? And you guys come out to practice day after day, and the coach is teaching you. Um, let's just say, for our reference, we're, we're football players, and um, so that's our that's our niche. And day after day, month after month, um, you guys are practicing running routes, uh, throwing the ball, running drills. And five, let's just say, five months later, after all that time, all that work, all those days in the gym and on the field and in the on the track, etc that that same partner your buddy your boy or your girl your girl well girls play football but not typically but um whatever Different time we live in it. yeah right <laughs> um whatever the case right imagine your part you're like you grew stronger your endurance is up you went from running a mile in eight minutes to like running it in six minutes like you you're you're out there like you're you're you're, you're up there right you went from milk to meat and your friend is just at the same place Hmm. something's going to click in and say, what have you been doing this whole time? That's the wake up call that a lot of Christians need to receive. Hmm. Sadly. And I don't say that as like a, uh, a point of like, uh, you know, pointing the finger type thing. Like, look, I've been there. We've, we've been there where we can see, man, whether, whether it was for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, even a couple months for there was t- certain issues, certain sin issues that I was living in for a couple years yeah. and like persistent disobedience. And, or I knew it. And over time, two things happen. You either grow in a desperation of utter surrender to God and God delivers you and shows you the power of Jesus Christ and the blood or Your conscience no longer is yelling at you like it used to. Yeah, yeah, that's The voice of God is no longer as clear as it used to be. And now all of a sudden what used to be an alarm 
right? Mm-hmm. Just becomes a, you know, a, a dim tapping. You know, it's like just just a little like it's as if what was once just so clear, crystal clear, has become you've become dull. You become uh, what, what the scriptures called seared in your conscience, right? So um, I didn't even get to the point. <laughs> One of the points was, I think we're all, so yeah, the point was that right there, right? Sanctification. If we grow as Christians in sanctification, that's God's call in our life, but not everyone uh, will walk in that. So as we grow in sanctification, you will come to this point where you realize your utter unholiness before a holy God. Mm. you will you will and you, you, god's not going to leave you there because realize what jesus said jesus didn't say you're right man like <laughs> i should you shouldn't even be near me like no he said you're actually going to come closer to me amen and you're going to experience the goodness of god and you're going to become a partaker in the goodness of god you're going to become a vessel for me mm. right you're so don't get all puffed up right don't don't, don't get lost because you're just a vessel Without God, you hold nothing. You're a vessel. But Paul says we hurt, we hold the, this treasure in earthen vessels, right? So imagine, um, especially in those days, whatever carried uh, water, liquids, foods, typically was pottery, right? And just it was so uh, fragile when it was dropped or whatnot, you shatter. That's us without God. We shatter. That's the truth. Some people are just still in the fall and they think that they're in their pride. They're still in the fall and they don't realize that ground is coming. Oh my Jesus. Amen. So listen, there, the other aspect of, of, of what I'm getting at is that there are um, places where like, I, I know stories of people. I think the scripture has stories where your first contact with God isn't an utter unworthiness, but an other, an utter recognition of your acceptance. Mm, yeah and i think that's humble as well yeah they both play a part um in salvation and sanctification where um i i you cannot grow with god if you don't realize you're accepted right he's accepted you and not because of your works but because of his grace because of his love and kindness right grace is a is a heavy christianized word but it's 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 actually simple it's god's loving kindness um, and you know, we can go on and on, but the point is that this is the love of God that we encounter. This is what Peter encountered. And I believe in some senses, he might've seen how much grace he had just been shown. Right. Right. And he feels so unworth that depart from me. And so I've, I've had that. I mean, I, I have it time and time again. I pray for more, just that place of like, I'm, to an extent where Peter says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Like where I, I, you know, I've come to God and I've realized like, God, I'm broken. Like, and you shouldn't even be near me as holy as you are. But yet the loving kindness of the, of your grace through the cross, through Jesus, that is the reason. Look, listen, Jesus is the reason why we can come to God. Without Jesus, we have no place with God. You think, you know, there's, there's, Get out of the American mindset. There are people out there in the world, millions, billions, no, not millions, billions, especially in Southeast Asia and um, areas of Africa where they're still sacrificing animals to this day because they actually have a better understanding of God than you do, than most Americans do. They understand God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. And you cannot just 
uh, uh, um, sin and get away with it. So why do they sacrifice animals? It's to appease God because it's life for life. I'm not going to go too deep into that, but the point is what the New Testament points out is that the blood of animals is never going to cover for your sin. It's never mm-hmm. actually going to do it. The whole Old Testament with the blood and sacrifice of animals was a, uh, was a, a marker for Jesus Christ. It was a shadow of what was to come through the blood of Christ because only righteous and holy God himself can atone, can cover for our sins, right? No, no other person is going to be able to stand before you, uh, before God's judgment and God's righteousness, uh, except Jesus Christ. Your mom, your dad, your kids, nobody, the people, the, the person you helped cross the street, the person you gave $100, it does, none of that, your, your works, your righteous works, all your good works, the scripture says, are as filthy rags, before the Lord. There's filthy rags. Why? Because it's us trying to present our self-worth to God without realizing he has made us worthy. He is worthy. And he's the, he is the essence of what worth really is. So for us to come at it, like, well, I've got some worth too, God. So like move over. That's satanic. That's what Mm. Satan's agenda was. I want to be like God. I want to be uh, 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 creating my own ideals and identity and perspective, right? And so get this, Peter, uh, Austin brought up a good point. So when they, had, um, when they had let down the nets and enclosed a large number of fish, their nets were breaking. And listen here, they filled the boats and <laughs> it wasn't even about the fish, It wasn't even about the fish. Do you know God can bless you beyond your wildest Mm -hmm. thoughts? I mean, in fact, the scriptures say that that he's able to do exceedingly above all that you think or ask. And people confuse that to think that that's talking about material gains and blessings. You know why you confuse that? That's because you're carnally minded. You're thinking God is simply material and that your happiness is based on material possessions. True blessing with God is to know that you have everything with you can be in a jail cell and you got everything. Yeah. That's the power and work of God. I'm not saying like, no, no, we're not talking here. Like make believe, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to just try to believe that I've, uh, I'm happy. Like, no, no, you actually possess joy when you have nothing. Right. Even if you have nothing. And the reality with God is you can have much or you can have little that should never determine your fellowship with God because in Christ is your all in all. Do you actually have your eyes on Jesus Christ or do you have your eyes on something else? This was never about the fish. Look what he did after that. You would think it would be like, oh, like most people, here's what happens. God, they live in some type of obedience to God's goodness, maybe. God blesses them, maybe in a physical way like this. You, you, maybe you get an increase in your salary. Maybe right. you get a better position in uh, uh, um, your job. Maybe it's not about job, but your school and, and what God leads you to. And God opens a door for a university and a grant and a scholarship and this, that, and the third. And we get stuck on the fish. Mm-hmm. And we stay in the boat. When right, Jesus right. said, Wait, I, I want to show you something. I'm at, this was actually just to get your eyes on me, not on what I, what I simply what I did for you. Mm. Right? Because look, because look, bro, me. it says it says that after he said, from now on, you will catch men. Verse 11 says, 
So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed them. Mm. They left the fish. <laughs> the fish was to get their attention and put their eyes on Christ to see, to remove the, the veil off their eyes so they could see who was standing before them. Mm-hmm. God is so intimate. He knows how to get your attention. He knows how to get your attention. And I'll let you take it back, but I'm going to go back to the synagogue. The, the, the difference in these responses between those in the, in the synagogue and these and those in the boats. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my mentors, he recommended I get this book called Qualified. It's by Tony Cook. I love this book. And as we see in this example, Jesus also says, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. Many of you today have been called by God, but the reality is few are chosen. And that's not because God didn't call you. It's because we haven't responded to the call. The moment Peter responded to the call was the words, nevertheless, at your word. Whatever you have going on in your mind, whatever your thoughts, your ideas, what your expectations are, whatever situation you are in, because following God's words, not nine times out of 10, isn't going to be convenient. Whatever you have going on, it's Mm -hmm. not convenient. Yep. (laughs) When the Lord told me, when me and my wife, me and my, we were just dating at the time. And we were saying, Lord, your video's off, Brandon. Yeah, I know. I'm tra- I'm transitioning, so I, <laughs> I don't okay. want to inter- interrupt. Keep going. I'm just... When me and my wife were dating, we said a specific prayer to God. If you want us to move to Dallas, show us by allowing this to happen. And that thing came to fruition. And in my private prayers, I was saying, Lord, if me and Jamila are supposed to go to Dallas, I'm going to propose to her. So when those things came together, though I was broke, I made a way. And fast forward after the engagement, right? And following, being obedient to God's words, not always convenient. The Monday going to work after the engagement, I totaled my car. Mm. I was already broke after being obedient to God's word. I, I, I purchased the ring. I got the ring she wanted too. And... I told my car that next day, that, that, that next weekend. This is a side note, bro. I need to share this. The week of my proposal, the engagement to my wife, when I was in high school, I remember living to a lot of people's expectations, right? And it's dangerous when you do that because when you get... When you get attached to an ideal, you know, you got to sometimes do things that are out of character to maintain that ideal. And I'm going to be honest, bro. I used to to steal things. It started when I was a very young kid where just going to the grocery store, mom say, put that back. You can't get that. And just put the candy in your pocket. And I remember the first time I stole was a pack of gum. And my brother's going to tell on me. He didn't tell on me. He probably should have. You know, I might have repented if I got my butt whooped, to be honest, but, you know, that sowed a seed of deceitfulness. And 
though I didn't steal throughout my childhood, I remember thinking I had to keep an image in high school. I was stealing clothes from a clothing store. I'm not going to name the clothing store, but bro, I stopped stealing. This was back in high school. Hmm. Fast forward five years later, I'm getting engaged and I stopped to get an outfit for the engagement before going into Philadelphia for the engagement. And I go into the same store I used to steal from when I was in high school. Of course, I'm buying that. I'm buying the, the, the merchandise this time. As I'm leaving, I see a gentleman walk in the door, a young dude, give him a head nod. He walks in. I stop to get some food and I'm walking in the parking lot, bro. And I see the dude running and he's getting chased by security. And I'm just shaking my head because, you know, I'm like, dang, like, that was me. Like, and that night, after I'm in Philadelphia, the night before the engagement, I look on Facebook. One of my friends was in traffic, just driving past where the mall, where the, where the shopping mall was. And that same guy who was running from security, trying to get away, ran into traffic, got hit by a car and died. Wow. He died, bro. The same man I saw walking in the store that I was leaving was doing the same thing I was doing in high school. Here I am five years later, being obedient to God, receiving something, a woman of God that I just, I don't even deserve, bro. Honestly, woman of my dreams, I just don't even deserve. Where I'm at in my life right now, just don't even deserve. And God showed me what my life could have been, what my life was. Mm-hmm. The net was breaking. And the net doesn't just break sometimes, just one day, one moment, but God continues to just show you where you're missing the mark and there's more. There's more in this Christian walk. There's more in this Christian faith. There's more to his glory. There's more when you're just sitting in his presence as a humble sinner. And this goes back to the point, many are called, but few are chosen. But praise be to God that we have that choice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Matthew chapter four, verses 19 says, he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus is asking all of us to follow him. And this Bible study is about people that want to follow him. And just as he took a fisherman and said, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. When Jesus showed up, he repurposed his life. A lot of us are working in some capacity, some way, shape, or form of how God has gifted us, but we're not following Christ. And when you do, God is going to repurpose the things you are doing today for his glory tomorrow. Whatever you're doing, this is boss Bible study. 
This is Boss Bible Study. We're speaking to those who have influence. We're speaking to whatever capacity you're working in. It doesn't matter what title you're, this is a, we're talking about fishermen. If you have a skill, if you have a trade, if you have connections, if you have a voice, God can repurpose that, repurpose you, repurpose your intentions, repurpose your motives to align with his agenda, to mm-hmm. align with his mission. And that is to spread the gospel. No longer will you fish for fish, but you will fish for men. And I'm going to show you, follow me. And this is what this is what we're talking about, being qualified. And a lot of people who are called, sometimes the reason why they don't, they aren't chosen because they don't follow is because we have this moment as Peter falling down at Jesus' knees, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, oh Lord. And the invitation is still there. Follow me. We're met with love and grace, but we are so condemned in our sin, condemned to our past, condemned to our hurt that we're just holding on to and we won't let that go. So we're going to settle for the fish. The fish are eventually going to be gone. So you can stay there with the fish, you can stay there with the car, you can stay there with the house, you can stay there with the job, you can stay there with whatever God has blessed you mm-hmm. with yep. for a season. Or you can forsake everything and follow him. Follow him. Bro, let's um close it out in prayer. And um, how about me and you both prayer? Pray and um at the same time. Um yeah, bro. And as you're listening to this, you could just join in and pray with us as well. We're just going to pray for a minute or two here. And um, another episode of Boss Bible Study. Thanks for joining. Safe travels wherever you are. Happy holidays. God bless. So let's uh, bow our heads, close our eyes. <sighs> Lord, we just want to thank you and lift up your name, Lord. Yes, uh, we Jesus. thank you for Boss Bible Study, Lord. You're faithful. You're worthy. Lord, we just just welcome your presence, Lord. We welcome your presence in our lives, Lord. We welcome your presence in our situations and our families, Lord. And whatever situation we may be, Lord, we just thank you for being there with us, Lord. We thank you for being the Lord of our lives and leading us and allowing us to follow you, Lord, is just such a blessing because we are unworthy, Lord. You're unworthy, but you are greater. You're greater than any man. You're greater than anything, Lord. And that is why you are worthy to be praised. Yes. And I just pray that whoever is listening, whoever is listening, those who desire to hear from you, those who desire to experience you, Lord, speak, Lord. Yes, God. Your servant hears. Yes, Jesus. Your servant hears, Lord. Nevertheless, nevertheless, my struggle, nevertheless, my student loan debt, nevertheless, people's expectations, nevertheless, my job situation, nevertheless, the rent being due, nevertheless, sickness, Lord, nevertheless, illness, Lord, nevertheless, the election, nevertheless, civil unrest, Lord, nevertheless COVID-19, Lord, nevertheless a pandemic, nevertheless 
Mm-hmm. We will praise you. We will praise you, Lord. We'll bless your name. We'll bless your name, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank love you. you, Lord. Thank yes, you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Father God, we just thank you so much, Lord. Your, your Holy Ghost speaks volumes of truth and teaches our inner man, teaches our inner soul, Lord. Let us hear you more clearly. Clearly, You said, uh, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep listen to me. So, Lord, let us be your sheep today. Let us not wander away. Let us come home and let us stay with you because you've welcomed us even though we should not be with you, even though we, like Peter, should be crying, saying, depart from me. You said, come. You said, come and I will show you the way. I will show you a new life. I will give you myself, my life. So God, we receive you today. And we pray that our brothers and sisters, not born by flesh and blood, but born by the will of God, would hear your word, come to know your truth and walk in obedience to you. Because the truth is obedience brings great, great blessing and glory in great, great trials and testings of faith. And Lord, just help us to walk in faithfulness to you because you're always walking and living in faithfulness towards us. Whether we see it or not, you're doing it. So it's in Jesus' name that we pray and we give you thanks, Father. Amen. 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 God bless. God bless you.